When you hear people say, I'm a homemaker, what comes to mind? How about falling into line of typical domestic roles of stay-at-home mom and housewife, or keeping the home in order and having lunch bags packed and dinner ready by six, or maybe the criticism that homemakers receive because they fail to contribute to the world problems that are bigger than their family. Saying stuff like, oh, she's capable of so much more, she is substandard to the working woman, leaving many feeling underappreciated and unworthy. And what about the working woman? The ones who invest in their careers and climb the ranks to achieve the pinnacle of success, but at what cost? Receiving criticism that she has stepped away from traditional values of family and homemaking? Why do so many women feel that it is impossible to do both? That it is a catch-22? I am determined to redefine what it means to be a homemaker. That maybe it goes past the physical task of keeping up with the home and requires more of interactions and investment in the people we love and care for. Join me in redefining, redoing, and rediscovering the balance of being a homemaker in today's world. I am Bree, and this is my podcast. Hey, y'all. So I am so excited. This is the part two of my Unconventional Homemaker podcast series, and I am super excited to bring a very special guest onto my podcast show today. I have known this guy for, it seems like, much longer than we've actually known each other, but he is such a great influence. And so just to sort of give you guys a little info about him, he is a single father to a young son. And not only is he a single father, but he is a founder and digital creator of the brand Think or Die, which is a brand that bridges the ideas of critical thinking into self-improvement and mental health. And he is creative, he is artistic, he is very thought-provoking. And again, I am just so excited to bring you guys a special guest onto the podcast show today, Jimmy George. So go ahead and say hi to everyone. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you. I appreciate all of it. (laughs) Yeah, no problem, no problem. And like I said, this is the Unconventional Homemaker Single Father episode, and I just knew that just seeing how you interact with your son, how you interact with the people who you just do life with. And, you know, as I mentioned, you're not only a single father and a digital creator and a founder of Think or Die, but we actually met through coaching because you were a coach with my husband back when we were living in the wonderful Port Arthur, Texas. Shout out to my PA people. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, just seeing you, just how you interact and just how you encourage the youth and young men out there. And you're such a great role model. I just knew that you were the ideal single father to bring on to this episode into this podcast series. So I am so thankful and so happy for you to be joining me today. Thank you. That means a lot. I appreciate everything you just said. (laughs) For sure. For sure. And so before we really dive into this episode about just single fatherhood and how you are just redefining and redoing the idea of what 
it is like to be a homemaker and to be a father who is a homemaker, I kind of wanted to give you an opportunity to just share your story and share what your home setup looks like right now. And so I wanted to just give the listeners an opportunity to just get to know you, Coach George. So tell us a little bit about yourself and about your family. Well, as you let everybody know, I'm a, uh, I'm a basketball coach. I've enjoyed basketball my entire life. It's one of the things that has given me the ability to communicate well and um, understand how to work with people and also a tool that I've used throughout life to, uh, to build relationships and build connections and um, fortunately landed in a good place for, for coaching the sport. And so I'm forever grateful for what basketball has done for me. But at the same time, throughout life, I've always wanted to build and had other aspirations and dreams as well. For instance, art, which is what is allowing me to be able to create, from my own opinion, semi-good art (laughs) and allowing me to give a little artistic expression. And I've graduated college with an English degree, and I'm sort of conjoining that together because Ever since I was a child, I, next to the NBA, I wanted to be a comic book writer or comic book creator. And as my brand says, I'm thinking critically and trying to bring everything together to create something that will uh, ultimately lead to more happiness and fulfillment for myself. Um, as far as my family set up recently, well, I'm going through a divorce, actually. And me and my son's mother get along. We get along great. Um, co-parenting. It's, it's been very easy because we both want to see the best for our son. And what's best for our son is two happy parents. Together or not, we should be happy. And so we root for each other and, and we don't try to hinder each other or have any bitterness towards each other. So the co-parenting has been very, very smooth and very easy. Um, for instance, I cook, well, I'm, I'm starting to cook for him more often. but I cooked smothered chicken for him today, and he stopped by just to get a plate and to uh, load up some Tupperware so that he could eat it for supper today. And those are the little interactions that we'll have on an everyday basis. And so as far as being around him and being involved in his life, I'm very highly involved. And that's the beautiful part of the co-parenting because we, um, we don't put ourselves before our child's happiness. For sure, for sure. And I think that is really one of the biggest things that sort of drew me to you and your family is just how cohesive you guys are as a co-parenting unit. Just because, you know, you just see in society and on social media and just in general, it just seems that if your parents aren't together, then it's normal for it to be a very toxic co-parenting relationship, especially for, I feel, for like single fathers, just hearing the narrative of the dads not wanting to be super involved or aren't super involved. And when I see you and your family set up and you being a very successful single father and being a homemaker, like, I mean, come on, 
smothered chicken like really (laughs) (laughs) like who does that I mean that just warms my heart to just hear that that you are able to interact with your son on a regular basis and correct me if I'm wrong is your like what is the living situation for you guys right now well we live in separate homes uh she has her own place and I have mine. And so he comes, well, he visits mainly since he's in, since his condition. He um, stays with her full time. But uh, before he had a stroke, he used to uh, basically live with both of us whenever he felt like staying over at my place or staying over at her place. It didn't matter because um, we always build our schedules and keep our schedules open. Right, so, right. And so I think that the roles that you both play in your son's life is so important. And I think that a big traditional mindset that we have to sort of steer away from is the fact that if it is not working as a as a parenting unit, if you guys can't work it out together, it is better to be separate and to be able to work together than to try to force it and then it creates a very toxic home environment for your child very harmful because i've just seen so many like just negative home setups and it's just like well we are together for the kids but it's just like is your home happy (laughs) you know what i mean like and that can actually stifle a person and that's one of the parts of my brand thinking critically to continue to to bring or to surround yourself and bring positive energy to situations and to build your dreams. And that's one of the things that is most stifling towards that is having to unpack issues from a childhood or teenage years with arguing and and seeing one parent be mistreated or et cetera. So um, mm-hmm. it also puts people in, in bad spots in bad places mentally with having to choose a side and we just we we know how that goes no no you're I completely get where you're coming from because I think a lot of times you know we can have experiences from our childhood and we don't realize the effects of those experiences and how we go forth and go about parenthood and go about interacting with our family, especially when we become old enough to sort of be the leaders of our family. And I I just really like the fact that you and your ex-wife were able to just get to a point where it's just like, hey, having a successful co-parenting relationship is important and is important for both of you guys to be able to show respect and teamwork with each other when it comes to parenting your son. And again, being able to look at y'all's relationship and it's just like, look, if it's for the betterment of the child, for you guys to be able to go, for you guys to go your separate ways and still be able to have a healthy co-parenting relationship, then you guys were able to do that. And so that's very, very honorable. And I think it's definitely something for people to to sort of think about that just because you have a child together, you really have to think about your relationship as a couple. And if you guys can't make it work, then it you really are doing a disservice to the child 
to stay in a relationship with each other if you guys if you guys can't respect each other in that way you know what i mean yes that's 100 percent true that's fact that's what allows for someone to be a good father and allows someone to be a good mother is just having support and the ability to completely be in your child's life because two people that are combative and not talking to each other or communicating with each other may sort of become a, a blackout whenever the one parent or the child visits one parent because they're not really communicating with the parent where for us we'll call each other and show him uh, just to see him dancing or to see him doing a certain exercise or saying or just to let us know what he just said something he just said said for the first time or a good joke or anything because um we know how precious those moments are and how much they reflect growth and so it's something we always monitor and, and um when you know when you both really really truly love and care and dedicated to to your child your personal relationships with anybody will not get in the way of that for sure for sure and one thing that i talk about a lot within my brand and within my business is i i focus on when it comes to homemaking and the family unit and the family relationships i talk about four big relationships that people really need to be mindful of and really work towards and that it's you know your relationship with self your relationship with your significant other, or in this case, your ex-wife, because you guys are co-parents in this family, your relationship with Mm -hmm. your kids, and then the relationship with your home or the people who you do life with. And so your family is living proof that you can have a very successful and healthy and positive co-parenting relationship. And to give single fathers out there the hope and encouragement that it is possible and that they don't have to expect that their fatherhood experience if they're not with their mother has to be negative because that's what society has dictated it to be or has shown it to be and I kind of want to ask how did you and your ex-wife create such a positive co-parenting relationship like where did it all start um it it's, it's been that way since he was born even when we were together as far as working with him, um, you know, our differences or our personal desires never trumped our son. Um, she's a she's a great person. She's a very loving person and and she'll do anything for for the people that she loves. And so it's something that comes natural to her to treat our child the way she does. And um for myself. I'd say I'm I'm a ride or die person for friends of my own son. I'm definitely going to focus in the way that I focus is, you know, the the message that I share with everybody that you just have to think critically. Um, You might feel emotional. You might feel tired. You always have to put that to the side. um, And so we look at everything through a critical lens. We don't view our situation with an emotional perspective. We understand that we must get along and we know that it's not healthy for him to see us argue or fight. So we avoid it. And I don't mean that we stifle our emotions or anything. We share things, but 
sort of like how it is in a professional setting. Both of us understand that it's that certain behavior isn't acceptable, and anything that is harming our son isn't acceptable. And so that's our truth to co-parenting is that we both understand the best thing for our son is for us to work together. Right, right. Was there ever a time in y'all's relationship where it was hard for you guys to put aside the emotions and be able to like work together? Like, was there ever a time where it was really hard for you guys to do that? I mean, there there are times where it's difficult to to do that, but I'll say that we we've gotten through those times without skipping a beat. Like it's harder sometimes than others, but the tone stays consistent. And so I was, I you know, in all honesty, so you know, it's still a relationship. It's still a failed marriage, and it comes with all of the seven stages of grief for both of us, but. Like, as I said, we, we just let critical thinking outweigh our emotions and, and what our heart is, our hearts are feeling for ourselves. And we just unselfishly love our son. Right, right. And I again, I think that is, it's so beautiful for you guys to be able to think in that way. Because it's one of those things where being able to think critically, you guys are able to unite on one thing, which is... The fact that both of you guys share the honor of being a parent and seeing that as a true honor and a privilege and y'all's responsibility to be the best parent that you can be for your son. And I think that a lot of times when you put things in that perspective of in order for you to be the best father, in order for your ex-wife to be the best mom, you guys can't attack each other and attack each other's character because that's just going to bring you guys down and it's going to make you, it's not going to bring your best foot forward for your son. You know what I mean? And so it's one of those things where I'm sure it's much easier said than done. Even though you make it sound so easy, I'm sure it has to be at times you have to put yourself in check and to put your emotions in check and to remind yourself of, you know, what are you guys doing this for? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's, that's you know, it's all the time for anything that you, you, you're trying to accomplish in life. Those emotions arise and that's one of the, that's one of the main obstacles for for basketball players and coaches is getting young people to understand like your emotions cannot dictate your actions. They, they simply can't that, that will 99.9% of the time cause you to choose the wrong choice. So it's, it's only easy because we understand it's, it's just, you have to do what Mm -hmm. you have to do. For example, when I had to, uh, I literally had to save my son's life when he had a stroke. It was only the two of us. And throughout the entire situation, I was I was frightened beyond frightened. I, I recognized that he was having a stroke and I started telling him it's going to be okay. Wow. In all, it probably took me one minute to get out of the door. I put on my shoes. I called his mom. I gathered my keys, I, I locked my door, 
I put them in my front seat of my car and buckled them up and sped to the hospital. And I did it all in the flash. I took them out the car, ran around the hospital, and I ran pretty far. It was pretty far. I, I remember being exhausted, but nothing was going to stop me. And it wasn't until after, because since COVID, only one person can be in the hospital at, at a time. And since they were riding on a helicopter and it was just in the in the stars for her to fly with them because weight counted. So seeing him fly off and seeing him go is the first time in years. Like, I mean, since I was probably 10 or 11 that I actually cried. And I did that for a few days. And I finally told myself that the reason I'm crying so much is because I'm concerned about him doing what I dreamed of him doing. I was concerned about losing all of the hopes and aspirations that I had for him. And I wanted a son since I was a young man. And to finally have one, you know, I was I was feeling fulfilled. And all the changes he's going through and the um, the damage that his stroke has done to his brain, he'll have a harder time fulfilling you know, the basketball dreams and everything that I had and aspirations. And what I told myself was the most important thing. And it was really a reminder that it's not about you. None of this is about you. So whenever you start having these thoughts about you, like, oh, what did I do wrong? Or why would this happen when I did this for that? Those are all selfish ideas. They have nothing to do with my son and what he's going through. And so when I removed myself from the equation, the tears stopped. And I feel that's the importance of think or die. You have to think critically or your energy will die. And I know for a fact that I was going down the wrong road. And just one critical thought stopped me from not being able to be the best parent that I could be, to be able to sit in his presence and still be the strong father that he sees mm-hmm. me as. For sure, for sure. I know that you guys are going through a lot as a family right now. And both you and your ex-wife just really having to rely on each other's strength and the positive co-parenting and teamwork that you guys have really invested in and created a foundation for. I can only imagine that the type of relationship that you guys have in supporting each other while your son is going through this time in his life, I can imagine that that really makes things so much better and so much more bearable because you guys can trust each other, that you guys have each other's back as far as you being the father and bringing about the strength and encouragement that your son needs during this time. And then you trusting that your ex-wife is there to be nurturing to your son and to just be motherly. Yeah, that's, um, you know, I tell her, well, I've told her before, um, while he was having a stroke, that's the only thing that he could say. And um, he called for over and over again. And... And I, you know, since he was a baby, I've always let her know that and that nothing is going to be more important mm-hmm. in his life than his mother. I don't I don't stand a chance. I could be the best dad, strongest dad, 
<laughs> in the world, but it's it's going to be all about mm-hmm. all about his mother. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me that you were saying is sort of just that all sons love their moms and all sons, regardless of how old they get, there'll always be some part of them that is a mother's boy. And, you know, coming from a co-parenting situation and you being a single father, I, I remember you sort of sharing with me that that was one of those things where you had to put your pride aside because again, you, you mentioned how when your son was going mm-hmm. through these major health problems, um, he was calling out for his mom and not his dad. And so what kind of goes through yeah. your head and, you know, how does that make you feel and how do you overcome it? Because I know that you rely a lot on your critical thinking, but that is a thought process that a lot of single dads have kind of feeling that they are subpar to the mother. Well, there has to be an understanding of just our psychology as as mammals and as humans. It's your first nurturer. You know, as a mother, a mother has a certain affinity toward a child that they can just bask in from birth. And as a as a father, you can love on your child like I, I used to have him all the time when he was when he was an infant because she worked further out when we lived in Houston, she worked further out than I did. And so I would have them a lot, but it's just something about the mother's touch. It outweighs everything. So with that understanding, there's, it doesn't bother me. And I understand it. I can be the person saving your life, but it's his mother that you, you want. And if you have to be in a room with anybody alone when you need people there or someone there, it's going to be your mother. And I don't have any issues with that because as I reflect as a grown man, it would have been my mother and it was always her. And I didn't, I never felt like my dad didn't want to be there when I'm injured or in the hospital. I just, I just know that my mother (laughs) would always want to be there a little more. And that's what, that's what we know. I mean, especially as I, I guess I could speak from a boy's perspective and as a man's perspective, that connection is strong. That connection is strong. And so I, I'm, I'm happiest there. I would be hurt to the fullest if, if it wasn't. For happy sure. And so it's one of those things where, you know, understanding how important that mother connection is for a child. I also think it is really really important to emphasize the importance of a father's role in a child's life. Because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times, one thing that I hear all the time, and I don't know if you hear this as frequently as I do, but I hear so much about single mothers, you know, having to be the mother and the father. And it's so hard and it saddens me because there is importance in having that father figure and that male figure in a child's life. And I kind of wanted to give you an opportunity to just sort of share, because you are a father, you are a male. And so I can say it till I'm blue in the face. I'm always going to come from a female perspective. And 
I might not be able to fully understand and grasp the power of a father figure in a child's life because I come from a mother's perspective. And so I kind of, you know, want you to give, I want to give you an opportunity to sort of just share you being a father and what value you bring and what value you see in your presence in your child's life. I just teach my son how to, how to move and how to think critically. You, as a father, there's always, you understand what it, it takes to be a man in our society and our culture. You understand some of the things that he will definitely go through. And you also are very aware, and that's very important. You're very aware of the insecurities that can grow. And as a boy that can grow into your teens and, and your, your young adulthood that can affect your behavior, who you become or how you interact. That's a huge part of why it's difficult for a woman to raise a man is because, you know, it's, it's a different perspective. It's a different life growing up as a woman and it's vice versa as a man for a young, for a young lady or daughter. You need someone that can sort of help guide you in how to how to think as a man, even if it's little things, street knowledge. <laughs> um, you need that. I definitely remember a conversation you just sharing some of the big things that you learned and some of the biggest lessons that you teach your mm-hmm. son is just mm-hmm. having a sense of mm-hmm. strength and pride in themselves and in himself, Mm -hmm. um, which can be, I I feel like it comes very natural for fathers to implement that lesson in a son. Yeah. And it's just not about physical strength. Um, Crazy that we, we bring this up. Maybe yesterday I was sitting on the couch with them and, um, I told him that you, you're strong. We were watching a superhero movie, and I told him that you're strong, that we're strong. And he said, um, for you know, for the viewers, he's paralyzed on his, well, partially paralyzed on his right side. And um, he told me, he said he's not strong. And I knew exactly what he meant, but I told him that strong isn't about being able to pick up a, a giant rock and throwing it across the ocean strong is what you're already doing by going to work out every single day after having something happen to you that kills older people. And I said, that's what you're already showing everybody that you're strong. Nobody, nobody on this planet would want to be in the situation that you're in and you're strong enough to do it and smile every single day. So you are strong. And so I know that that reinforcement is going to help him when somebody in the future laughs at him at school, or it's going to let him know it's okay if he's never strong enough or able to play on a basketball team and stuff like that. I know that it's going to let him know that he has other strengths. And hopefully, you know, if he does recover 100%, he, he knows that he's been through a test of strength already that a lot of people won't go through. 
I remember, again, as we were prepping for this episode and we were talking about the value that comes from from fathers and how important it is for their role to in their kid's life. You know, we talked about the emotional support and how that emotional support and that strength go hand in hand. And it's one of those things where a lot of times it's just like we think of the female and the mothers being the nurturers and, you know, being all up in their feelings and lovey-dovey. But it's one of those things where I think that (laughs) you just gave a prime example of how fathers can also tap in to that nurturing and that emotional side of homemaking when it comes to being there for their children. You have to be. For sure. And I, and, I, and I think it looks strong. different and I think it's okay for it to look different, but it's one of those things where, you know, what I always want to promote mm-hmm. is challenging, redefining, redoing, and rediscovering homemaking and sort of the traditional roles that we were brought up to think was normal and was the only way of going about things. And yeah. I think a lot of times males and fathers think that no you can't you can't tap into your emotions it's all about strength and being hard Mm -hmm. and boys don't cry and it's just like no no like there is a place for that and I think fathers show that subdued strength while mothers show a very you know what we think of as just emotional strength fathers show a subdued strength if that makes sense. Most definitely makes sense. Um, I always had, a, um, as far as crying for him, I always had a rule, especially if it's just him getting hurt or something. Um, if it's not bleeding or you can move it, then you're okay. You shouldn't be crying. That pain is going to subside soon. You just got to be tough, get through it. But, um, you know, I had mm-hmm. to change that up after after his stroke. And I told him it's okay to cry. I said, it's it's okay to cry. You can't move it. And that's fine. But you have to understand that crying's not going to do anything. It's not going to change anything. And this was before, even before he started working out to when he started doing his therapies and working out. I always remind him that, you know, crying doesn't do anything. Doing something about this. I say you could cry and do it at the same time. And so I, I reinforce strength, but at the same time, I, you know, I hug him all the time. I tell him I love him, kiss him on the forehead multiple times a day because that was something that I was missing. <laughs> you know, get passed down from generations of just toughness, but that's something I was missing that I would appreciate it. And so I give that to my son in abundance, just let him know that I love him. Right. Like with fathers, it's just rethinking and balancing it out because it's one of those things where what I tell people all the time when it comes to Mm -hmm. feeling sad and and crying it's one of those things where what I share with people coming from a mental health background I share with them that sadness and grief and crying is a normal human emotion And it's one of those things where we can't stifle 
our tears because we wouldn't do that if we were happy. You know what I mean? Like if you were happy mm-hmm. and joyous, you wouldn't stifle your like exactly. celebration. Yeah. So why would you stifle your grief? Why would you stifle your tears? But I think how you approach strength and teaching strength to your son, it's one of those things where it's just like you give space for sadness and for tears but one thing that you encourage is that critical thinking aspect that problem solving it's just like it's okay to cry but let's figure out something to to help the situation and being there for your child while they're trying to figure it out you know what I mean and I think that that thought process that Mm -hmm. behavior that interaction is so natural for fathers because I, I think for fathers it's just like you know you grow up to be like we are the problem solvers you know what I mean like we are here to fix and so you kind of instill that critical thinking and that fixtuitiveness if that is a word in your approach um, and I think yeah, it's something yeah. that comes so natural for for fathers and I think it's so important to instill that in in kids you know what I mean? One hundred percent. Ironically, I get a lot from my from my mother because <laughs> uh, yeah. So she she's a, she's definitely a, um, she definitely bent the role for of, sure, of for and, sure. And, and that's something that you learn from your mom and how you are so determined to teach that to your son and teach it from a male's perspective and what it looks like for a male to do it. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's a different world. Um, and it started to show when he first entered sports, the dynamic. His first sport was soccer, and all the kids that were around two or three years old would cry and leave the field and go sit on their mama's lap. <laughs> and you know, I'm not knocking that. There's you know nothing wrong with that. But I would tell him that he can't leave the field. Like he could sit on the field and he could cry. He could stay on the field, and he never paid attention to the game, in all all honesty. But he could walk around on the field and and make bubble faces or do whatever you want to do, but you're not going to leave your teammates out there on the field by themselves. That's something that I instilled in him. And, you know, I've realized that other parents were starting to do that to their kid, and that's when I realized, (laughs) like, well, maybe I'm – I'm sure you need to give yourself so much more (laughs) credit. You need to give yourself (laughs) so much more credit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, but that's what I would say. Like, they know they can go go to their mothers and they can go cry in in their laps. And and the only way he'll go back out there is just Mm -hmm. from his father being stern with him. And, you know, it's, it's... a for the exercise and, and B just for the motor skills and and the understanding of, of being a teammate. But you know, as a man, that's that's a lot of what it's gonna take to survive as as an adult. And as an educator, I see some young men that lack it and it stifles them or puts them in bad situations. And basically the same lessons I give my son I I try to pass on. (laughs) Completely understand. Um, You know, we've been talking for quite a while. And before we sort of close, I do want to sort of touch base on 
how you are redefining fatherhood and how you are incorporating homemaking into your everyday fatherhood interactions because I have to I have to bring it up because I'm all about redefining, redoing and rediscovering homemaking and single fathers and mm-hmm. fathers are no exception to that. Well, I just I want everybody to to understand that, you know, the gender role is not as concrete as we would like to to make it. It's okay to to show your son affection or your daughter affection. It's okay to show your child love. It's okay to take care of them when they're ill or when they're sick. And it's definitely okay to be concerned about their nutrition. And sometimes you just have to take on aspects of of your child's life that you might feel should be for the mother or strictly the mother's business. But you have to understand that your child needs everything all at once. You shouldn't rely on either your co-parent or your spouse. You shouldn't rely on them. But mainly, mainly, I feel like I'm changing the narrative because I'm more worried about my son's ability to, to think critically. And that's on all aspects as far as school-wise, as far as everyday life, as far as how he operates. And, you know, I know a lot of guys tend to not worry about, you know, your child's education, especially if you're a co-parent, your child's education or be involved too much with their thought process. And I see that a lot as a as an educator whenever um, mm-hmm. kids open up about home life or something. So I would like to see that change. I would like to see that change. For sure. The idea that, again, the the stereotypical roles of a mother and a father and sort of what you were saying about how mothers are more nurturing, they're more about the emotions, are more involved in their child's academics. Like just because that's the norm or that's what we see a lot in our society, that doesn't mean that as a father, you can't partake in those responsibilities or you can't have a say in that part of your child's life like you have every right and I think if anything like you are a prime example of just fathers leveling up in their fatherhood and really being empowered to be more involved in their child's life than just the stereotypical let's just be hard, let's just be strong, let's be providers of the home, but there's just so much more that a father can provide than what we initially expect. Mm -hmm. And I think you're a prime example of that. I appreciate that. So as we are closing this episode, do you have any advice or just, we talked about so many things in this past, you know, 45 minutes to an hour conversation, but what is a couple of tips and tricks and advice that you would give to single fathers out there or people who are in a co-parenting relationship? Like, what are some of the key points that you would like them to take away from this episode today? 
the main key is to to think critically about everything. That's what keeps our that's what keeps our energy in balance. And to always put your child first, you know, in in every decision that you make. And when I say put your child first, I don't mean as in leave for a hundred years to make a a a million dollars for your son when he grows up. Do what's in the child's best interest because you know even though you feel like making money and everything is the best thing for your your child, mm-hmm. they won't understand that and they just need you. And so the best advice is to give them you. I just encourage every father, single father, to do what you have to do to be with your child. I'm so glad that you touched on that point. Um, Because I think it would be more impactful for fathers who are listening to this episode to hear it from a male's perspective than it is from my high-pitched, very feminine, girly voice. (laughs) So, Coach George, it was such a pleasure having you on my podcast. It was such an honor to have you as a guest. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and join me in redefining, redoing, and rediscovering the balance of being a homemaker in today's world. I invite you to follow me on Instagram at mrs.imbree. I would love to interact with you and get your thoughts on this week's episode. They say that home is where the heart is. I welcome you into my home, into my heart. Until next time.